The good news is, you know, that all starts happening to you when you're 40. About the same time the athletic body you once had falls apart. So at least I can't see it happen. <clears throat> I just know what's going on. Hey, we're going to uh, begin Leviticus chapter 6. We invite you to open up your Bible. So Leviticus chapter 6. We're going to do chapter 6 and 7 tonight. Finish up uh, these offerings as the Lord lays them out for us. Just by way of remembrance, let's see what we've done. We begin with the burnt offering. The burnt offering is a picture of total dedication and consecration. When we look at Jesus Christ in light of the burnt offering, He gave everything He had to give. Totally, utterly, completely committed. The burnt offering was an offering for the children of Israel that was uh, one that they didn't have to give. They could give it when they wanted to give it. It was something that they could come and provide. So that burnt offering was laid before them. We saw from the burnt offering, then we went to the, the meal offering. Remember the grain? And they would take the grain, the, the flour, and they would sift it. And that sifting of that, of that wheat, sifting through that flour, they would then add the oil, they would add the frankincense. Remember we talked the oil is always throughout Scripture, a picture of the Holy Spirit. You see in Jesus' life. When do we see that taking place in His life? You remember when He... He came to John the Baptist to be baptized in obedience to God's word. What immediately happened? The spirit descended upon him as a dove. They saw the, the spirit come upon him. And then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, right? Be tested uh, by Satan. And after those 40 days and 40 nights, Satan leaves until a, another opportune time. He's going to spend his whole ministry trying to to cause the Son of God to stumble to, to no effect. But what is the meal offering picture for us in? The meal offering, guys, it, it shows that sifting and that perfection, okay? In order to be the proper sacrifice, he had to be without sin. What's sin a picture of in the, in, the, in the sacrifices? Leaven. So what was this sacrifice given? Without leaven. Sinless perfection. The meal offering shows the sinless perfection of Jesus Christ. Then... We come to that third part. That third part is a peace offering. That time when we have communion with God. When, when we would bring our sacrifice to the Lord and God would meet us at the altar. And part of that, the fat, uh, the entrails, that would be going up burned to the Lord in the smoke. And the rest would be being cooked there. We would partake of a meal together. We would have fellowship or communion. The fellowship offering or the peace offering. When Jesus was sinless and perfect, he came to do that perfect work in our lives that we could have peace with God. We who at one time were at war with him, at enmity, that we are not born with peace with God. It doesn't happen. I don't care how peaceful that little baby looks in the crib. He does not have peace with God. We find peace with God through who? Jesus Christ. Jesus has become our peace. The scripture lays out for us. He has become our peace, the peace offering. From the peace offering, we would go to the sin offering. The sin offering, the sin offering where Jesus did what? According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the scripture says, He who knew no sin did what? Became sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God. That sin offering we talked about, it's that time when he became sin now remember the sin offering as we look at it it wasn't like the other offerings where you had the uh, the scripture indicate the sweet smelling aroma the sin offering what we had was the fact that when the offering was given it was taken outside the camp remember it wasn't just all cooked there it wasn't all burned there today we'll see that they even took the ashes and took the ashes outside the camp why what's the point to show us the awfulness of sin what sin requires Jesus Christ became sin for us, that we could become the righteousness of God. And the last one we saw, the trespass offering. We look at the trespass offering. The trespass offering was for specific sins. And did you see in the scripture the first one that it's laying out for us as we go through? It's bearing false witness, not being willing to speak the truth, not keeping your vows. These were very specific sins that God required a, a separate offering for. And he required confession. 
we had to say what it was all about. Why am I bringing this offering? You didn't just bring the trespass offering and say, I sinned. You brought the trespass offering because you had done something specific. And you would confess that specific sin and receive your covering. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has removed our transgressions from us. Jesus Christ takes those trespasses and provides the covering. The covering. What is it we see in the beginning? Guys, when we look at Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of men. The first thing we see man try to do is a picture of religion. What did they do? They, they saw that they were naked and they made for themselves clothes out of fig leaves. They're trying to make themselves uh, or give themselves an opportunity to approach God by clothing themselves. Did it work? I just reckon they weren't very comfortable. But what happens when, what happens when God found them? What did he do? He made them skins of animals. The very first sacrifice ever done in the scriptures was done by God. God gave the sacrifice. How did he clothe Adam and Eve? He clothed Adam and Eve in skins of animals. He didn't just snap his fingers and take their, hey guys, can I borrow your coats? No. He showed them. Folks, from then, what's the next picture we see as we go through Genesis? We see Cain and Abel. You remember Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel offering their sacrifices to God. One was acceptable, Cain's was, uh, or Cain's was not accepted, Abel's was accepted. When we look at that, how do they know? I mean, for example, if we pass an offering and, and you put money in the offering, how do you know God accepted it? Because the church cashes your check? I don't know if that's a good way to, to know whether or not it's acceptable. For Cain and Abel, how did they know? How did they even know to give an offering? Who taught them? Who told them? God showed Adam and Eve when he made them the skin clothing and they told their kids and they passed that down verbally from generation to generation to generation. Before the law, didn't we see offerings being given? We see Abraham building altars and giving offerings. We see Noah giving offerings. Throughout Genesis into Exodus, we see the same thing taking place. So, When we look at this offering that's laid out for us in Leviticus, as God says, hey, if you want to approach me, a holy God, this is how you have to do it. These are the requirements so that we understand that God cares about holiness, doesn't he? Be ye holy as I am holy. That's what the Lord said. So this is what he's laying out for us. When we look at it, Cain and Abel, they knew that it was accepted. Why? Because fire came and took it. And they knew. And for Cain's, fire didn't come. And you remember what God said to him. God said, listen, Cain, sin is at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. God told Cain, when he gave his offering and it wasn't accepted, he said, he said listen, if you do well, won't you be accepted too? Sure you will. Here's how you have to do it. In order for sin to be purged to be covered there must be the shedding of blood works won't do it that's why if he came up to that altar and he he brought the fruit of the of the field now that's an acceptable sacrifice in certain ways but when we bring that that sin sacrifice we bring that sacrifice that burnt offering to the lord the shedding of blood brought the remission of sin he had an opportunity that moment Cain, sin is at the door, and its desire is for you. Many of us here tonight, that Lord would whisper the same thing to us. He knows the choices that are lying right before us. He knows if there's issues of a heart, that there's, if there's bitterness, if there's anger, if there's frustration, if there's whatever there is. That's what was going on with Cain, right? Sin is at the door, God told him. But you should reign over it. But we know Cain didn't choose that way, right? We know Cain killed his brother. Don't you know that's where sin takes us? If we allow that foothold in our lives, bitterness, 
frustration, anger. We just play games with it and we say, oh, what's the big deal? It's a little thing. We go to the Lord and we say, God, forgive me for my sins. But we don't want to be specific. We don't want to say, Lord, forgive me for the hardness of my heart. Lord, forgive me for the bitterness that I have. God, forgive me that I'm angry at my brother. Forgive me for those things. Then what's to stop us, like Cain, from doing the same thing, killing our brother? Well, we may not kill him in a physical sense, but there's a lot of ways today to kill our brother. There's a lot of ways. So we want to recognize, as the Lord lays out this design for us to understand what holiness is, that He wants us, He wants us to apply the truths that are here. Now you and I, we're not going to go out and we're not going to lay hands on a, on, a, on a sheep and we're not going to cut its throat and bleed it and offer it as a sacrifice. Why? Because the book of Hebrews says that was fulfilled in who? In Jesus Christ. He became our sacrifice once for all time. So that part's over. What still remains is the spiritual issue behind it. The spiritual issue behind it. We want to apply that spiritual issue as we look at this. Guys, remember I shared with you before, the scripture indicated when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan came to him to tempt him, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Read the book of Leviticus. See how many times it says, And God said to Moses. And God spoke. Almost every word you read in Leviticus is straight from the mouth of God. Straight from his mouth. The scripture lays out for us. We want to understand it. We want to apply it. We don't want to be those who who just want to stay in the shallows of our faith. We want to go deep. This is how you do it. We want to get deeper. This is how you get deeper. You, you dig in, climb in, and look at the things that the Lord has for us. When we look at chapter 6, verse 8, it begins with this phrase, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, and he said, Command Aaron and his son, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. Now, we're going to get in the specifics. He's going to break down each offering and he's going to add a few more specifics about that offering. So let's take a look at what he says. This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning upon it. And the priest will put on his linen garment and linen trousers. And he will put on his body... Uh, he shall put on his body and take up the ashes from the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he will put them beside the altar. He's going to take it off. He's, he's going to pull the ashes out. We're going to see him change his clothes and deal with the ashes. So the altar was made in such a way, one, that the fire would go continually. Two, that they could pull the ashes out without putting the fire out. It had a grate. The ashes would fall down to the bottom. They would pull the ashes out from the sacrifice and deal with those. But listen, you need to see this. You need to see this. It says in verse 9, the fire on the altar will be kept burning. Okay, then in verse 13, it says, a fire will always be burning on the altar. It will never go out. When we look at that burnt offering, you need to realize that it's never going to burn out. The burnt offering. What did the burnt offering speak to? Dedication and consecration to Jesus Christ. We can apply that same to ourselves. But we often deal with the same struggle, don't we? Oh, you got to be careful, got to pace yourself or you'll do what? You'll burn out. Other people say, well, it's better to burn out than fade away. Is that true? I don't know. Either way, you're out. You're not still going. The fire was to be kept burning. Listen, this is going to be a key for us. The fire being kept burning is kept burning because it is constantly a picture being in the presence of Almighty God. For our God is an all-consuming fire. That's what the scripture indicates. God is an all-consuming fire, always burning. If we're in His presence, we're a light. If we're not in his presence, we're going to burn for a while based on what we, what we received while we were in his presence, right? Folks, if we come to church on Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we get fed, the spirit 
comes upon us, God's word speaks to us, we become a light like little burning bushes and we go out into the world and we leave God behind at church and we go out there and do our thing. We're going to burn. We'll burn maybe for a whole day. But sooner or later, you're going to burn out. You've got to have God with you wherever you go, in his presence. Just like Moses when he stood at the burning bush, what did God tell him to do? Take off your shoes. Man, you're on holy ground. We want to stay in that place, in that position where we can be dedicated and consecrated to him, that the fire never burns. Then we see in verse 10, what did the priest? He had his linen garment. His flesh is covered. His flesh is covered. He's constantly covering his flesh. Is it possible to please God in the flesh? By the work of our flesh, can we do anything that will please him? The Bible says it is impossible to please God except by faith. Jesus was asked in John chapter 6, what must we do to do the works of God? Do you remember what Jesus said? Believe on him whom the Father has sent. That is what pleases God, our faith. Our faith in trusting in Him. It's not about how much we can do, but it's about how much can we believe. How much do we trust Him? Folks, sometimes we face events that we just want to get into and become a part of, right? Hey, Haiti is a, is a prime example. There are a lot of people who want to get involved. A lot of people want to help. A lot of people sending money. Hey, that all shows a great heart, wonderful, wonderful concepts. Everything's great about that. By the way, we need to make sure that we're lifting up the pastor and, and his team that are in jail in Haiti. They're from, uh, from Filer. Some of the guys out here in Idaho and Twin Falls is uh, where the church is. We want to make sure we lift those guys up in prayer. They're facing a, a little bit of a, of a fire and storm themselves. But as we look at that, all this desire to help, I called a friend of mine. Actually, he called me. He's a helicopter pilot. He's in Haiti. He's there to try to help out and do, you know, do good things. Felt like this is where the Lord was taking him. He's in Haiti with, with training, medical training. And they won't release any of the medical supplies that are on the docks. They are sitting in boxes while people are dying. Now, no matter of wanting to do work is going to make that happen. And when I can't physically say, well, I'm going to grab this box of medical supplies and I'm going to set it down and I'm going to work on you and I'm going to help you survive. If I can't do that, then what can I do? I can, by faith, go to Almighty God and lay it before Him. Because, folks, God is sovereign. God is in control. And if the boxes are stuck on the docks because people are crooked, the boxes are stuck on the docks. God's still on the throne. There's something else that God wants to do. Now, are we those people who are going to come up against that and bang our head on the rock to try to make it open up? Or can we back up from the situation and begin to pray? And, and realize, and realize, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how things need to be done. The flesh always needs to be covered. It's not about how smart I am, how strong I am, how much money I have. You can send money to Haiti from now till kingdom come. And all that's going to happen is the government's going to get rich and the people are still only going to get one bowl of rice each while food rots on the docks. So what are you going to do? got to pray there's nothing we can do go over there and and help the government officials see the error of their ways in in throwing the the pastor and his team in prison but we can pray we can pray and allow god to do his perfect work the flesh has to be covered that's why it says twice the priest has his linen robe his flesh is covered guys We've got to cover the flesh. We're not going to do anything in the flesh. And then listen, when he takes off his garments, he puts on others. So he takes the ashes out. Now, if you know anything about working with ashes, what happens when you take them out? They get everywhere. What is there possibly good about ashes? I don't know. I need to find a fireplace that has none. So, no, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I should. 
My wife doesn't think there are any ashes in our fireplace. She will burn fire, burn fire, burn fire. And we got one of them fireplaces where the ashes go down in the bottom. And she'll burn fire, burn. Pretty soon I can't even put logs anymore. The ash is almost all the way to the top going up the chimney. You know what she says? That's husband work, man. That's I burn the fire, you clean the stove. That's the deal. So, hey, that's how it works. So, when I take them ashes out, I always get them. I got to get the vacuum cleaner. It makes a mess. Same thing. The priest takes it out, but, but he gets soiled dealing with the ashes. Dealing with the ashes. The ashes show, the ashes show that the entire sacrifice was consumed. That's the point of the ashes. It shows everything was taken. Everything was accepted. When I say this, the burnt offering speaks of Jesus' dedication. It means total dedication. All that's left is ashes, right? And they take those ashes out. They get ash on themselves. They go change. They change. They take off the dirt. They take off the filth. And they put on a fresh gown. A fresh gown as they gather it up. Look. And he will take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. Guys, the, the, the Hebrew word for ash, the Hebrew word for ash is dashen. It's the same word for accepted. When we talk about Cain and Abel saying that their, whether or not their sacrifice was accepted, same word for ash. How did they know it was accepted? It's burnt. It's burnt up. It's all taken. It's all gone. If it's still there, it wasn't accepted. If it's gone, it's gone. And what did they do with the ash? They took it outside to a clean place. What did they do with the body of Jesus Christ after the crucifixion on the cross? Where did they lay him? They laid him in a tomb. Was it a dirty, nasty tomb full of dead people? A tomb in which no one had ever lain. That's where they put him. In a clean place. Interesting, because you dive into it a little bit, that clean place was to the north of the altar. You remember how they would do the sacrifice on the north side? You remember when I told you north of the altar, especially at the, at the temple, north of the altar brought you to a, the top, the peak of Mount Moriah, a place known as Golgotha? In the place where he died, there was a garden there. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that, that he died with the wicked but with the rich, he was buried. His end was with the rich, died with the wicked, but was buried with the rich. What do we see? We see the, the wicked on Golgotha where all the criminals are crucified. There's where Jesus died and then put in a clean place. Just like they were do, to do with the ashes. They brought him to a clean place. It pictures the total acceptance of his sacrifice. How do we know Jesus' sacrifice was totally and utterly accepted? Three days later, what happened? He rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead, that was authentication. Paid in full. Done. Finished. Complete. Listen, they take those ashes and they put it in a clean place. Now, while you're thinking about these ashes, and you're thinking, why in the world is Jackie talking about ashes so much? Isaiah 61, what does it say? To give them beauty for ashes. How many hundreds of years did them priests take those ashes out to that clean place and pour those ashes out and think, this is the dumbest part of this job. Ash all over me, up to my neck. i got to change my clothes, take a shower twice. How many times did they complain about it? But when they would go and sit down and read Isaiah 61, when they read that Messiah would give them beauty for ashes, man, that should have been a picture, a big old bulb going off in their minds man he's going to give us beauty for ashes he's going to give us beauty for all this stuff all this stuff that we do verse 12 the fire on the altar will be kept burning again fire on the altar never burns out it shall not be put out and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning lay the burnt offering in order upon it and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offering the fire will always be burning. It will never go out. So how many times has God got to say it before we get it? Total dedication, complete deliverance, consecration unto God means you never burn out. You never burn out. 
Because you're in his presence. Jesus didn't burn out. Jesus had full days, busy schedule, a lot of people to see. People wanted to talk to him all the time. Everybody wanted something from him every day. Somebody else wanted something. Somebody else wanted something. Did he burn out? No. Why? The fire burns all the time. never goes out. Our God is an all-consuming fire. If I want to burn like that, i got to be close. i got to stay close to the source. Verse uh, 14, he's going to begin to talk about the grain offering. This is the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord. He will take from it his handful of fine flour from the grain offering and its oil and its frankincense. Remember, oil, the Holy Spirit. Frankincense speaks of intercessory prayer. Okay? Which is on the grain offering. He will burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma as a memorial to the Lord. And the remainder of it, Aaron and his son shall eat. So the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, received their support from what was left of the offerings that people brought. They would take a handful of the ephah that was brought, so, so a quart or, or what have you of, of uh, flour brought. They take a handful, they prepare it, they offer it. The rest was used so that they could eat to prov- provide for their needs. We see the same thing. With each of the sacrifices, it was given to the Lord. Remember, the Levitical priesthood had no inheritance. Their inheritance was God. Their inheritance was the Lord. They didn't have land. They didn't have a a parcel of the land that was dedicated to them. Their inheritance was God. And so God is the one who meets their needs. Look, in verse 16, The remainder of it Aaron and his sons will eat. With unleavened bread it will be eaten in a holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, they shall eat it. So they'll eat that bread in the court, and it will be unleavened. Unleavened. Remember, leaven's a picture of what? Sin. So it'll be bread, the bread, speaking of Jesus Christ, without sin, right? Verse 17. Now it shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is most holy, like the sin offering and the trespass offering. He says, who gave it to him? God gave it to them. We bring our offering to God, and God disperses our offering. It's not any different today. We bring our offering to God. Stringless, if there are strings on it, it's not an offering to God. We give that offering to God, and God disperses the offering. In terms of our, our particular church government, that the offering is prayed over, hands are, are, are laid upon it by the board of elders, the direction. Where does this go? Where does that go? Lord, show us the way. God guides us, and we believe that God speaks through those faithful men, just like he did in the book of Acts, and God disperses the, the, the funds to, to do the work that God's called us to do. The offering, though, is given to him. One time, Kathy and I were... We were going out to eat, and while we were out eating, I come by this homeless fellow was outside. And as I walked by, I very, very distinctly heard God speak to my heart to give him some money. Walked by, reached my hand in my pocket, pulled out 20 bucks, put it in his hand, you know, um, told him, you know, hey, this is for you so you can get food. You know, the Lord loves you, I pray with you, whatever. And then he goes on his way, I go on my way. We come into the to the restaurant, Kathy says, you know, he's just going to go buy dope or alcohol or something with that. What'd you give him that for? And I said, I knew that God told me to do it. I gave that 20 bucks to God. I gave it to him. What that guy does with it, that's on his head. I gave it to the Lord. When we bring our offering, that's how it ought to be, that we bring that offering to him. Who knows what they're going to do or how they're going to do it, but we're going to trust, we're going to believe that God is going to work in it. And it's been many times since where I'm like, that's not something that I do all the time, but I want to be sensitive to how the Lord directs me. If God doesn't direct me to do something, I'm not going to do it. Maybe it's right. Maybe someone's supposed to give them something. But unless the Lord speaks to me, it's not going to be me. I've been around the world, folks. I've seen poorer poorer people than you can imagine. And all the money in my pockets I've ever touched in my life wouldn't meet their need. 
What they need is Jesus Christ. That's what they need. So we want to lean on his direction as he guides, as he directs. We'll do what he calls us to. Now listen, verse 18. All the males among the children of Aaron may eat it. It shall be a statute forever in your generation concerning offerings made by fire to the Lord. Everyone who touches them must be what? Everyone. Everyone. Totally consecrate. Completely holy. Given to him. What's the word holy mean? It means to be set apart. To set apart. Not set up, We're set apart from the world to who? From the world to the Lord. From the world to the Lord. Set apart to him. We need to be holy. Be holy as I am holy. That's what God calls us to. Does it mean perfection? No, it means holiness. Set apart. Facing him. Moving toward the Lord. Listen, he's going to build on that concept here. And the Lord spoke to Moses again. Verse 19. This is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to the Lord, beginning on that day when he is anointed. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a daily grain offering. Half of it in the morning, half of it at night. It shall be made in a pan with oil. When it is mixed, you shall bring it in. The baked pieces of the grain offering you shall offer for sweet aroma to the Lord. Again, he's dealing still with the grain offering. The priest from among his son, who is anointed in this place, shall offer it. It is a statute forever to the Lord, and it shall be wholly burned. Wholly burned. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. The phrase, present your bodies, indicates the whole thing. You don't get to say, well, Lord, I'm going to give you everything but the right foot. I'm going to keep a pinky for myself. He wants it all. He wants it all. He wants it all. Consecrated, dedicated unto him. For every grain offering for the priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. Again, that's the, the grain offering, the meal offering from the priest. Now, verse 24. Also, the Lord spoke to Moses. Again, God speaking. Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering is killed. You remember the sin offering would be killed, but it wasn't all offered up on the fire, right? They would take it outside the camp. Just like Jesus Christ becoming sin, taken outside the city in the crucifixion. So, the sin offering will be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. It is consecrated completely to him. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it in the holy place. It shall be eaten in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. Everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. Everyone who touches the flesh of the sin offering must be holy. The priest, holy dedicated, holy consecrated to do the work. When its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. Anywhere you got the blood on you from the sin offering, you cleaned that up. Why? Because the blood is precious. Greatest picture of that in the Passion of the Christ when Jesus was beaten on that, on that pole in the middle and his mother and, and Mary Magdalene went out and sopped up his blood. Why? Because his blood is precious and they're just walking through it like it's nothing. God said, life is in the blood. Man, the blood is a precious, holy thing. If you got that on you, clean it off. Clean it off. That's special. That's righteousness. That's holiness. That's that which makes us clean. Okay, so it was to be cleaned. And then look at this. But the earthen, ve- but the earthen vessel in which it is boiled, it shall be broken. That earthen vessel. You know we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The Bible speaks of us as earthen vessels. Earthen vessels that are used in the sin offering were to be what? Broken. Broken. Folks, in order for us to really understand forgiveness of sins, in order for us to really experience the grace of God, we have to break. He wants us to be a bunch of crackpots. You get that, right? He's not interested in how whole you can be on your own. He wants us cracked. Why? 
so that the grace that God pours within us leaks out on everything we touch. So if you picture it like an earthen vessel used to carry water with a crack down the side, as they're walking with that water, where the water's leaking out all along the way. In our lives too, we're to be broken. We're to be broken so that that which is inside, the treasure that is inside of us, is leaking out, is pouring out on the people around us. The, the earthen vessel must be broken. That which was used, it must be broken to be in a place of true repent, repentance. Now, if it is boiled in a bronze pot, now a bronze pot, you, you couldn't break very easily. It will be both scoured and rinsed in water. All the blood had to be accounted for. All the blood would be cleaned up because it was holy and righteous. All the males among the priests, they may eat of it. It is most holy, but no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make an atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. It will be burned by fire. So that sin offering that's brought in, that sin offering that's brought into the holy place, sprinkled around the altar of incense, they, they didn't eat of that one. They didn't eat that. There was no part of that that they, that they could use, no part of that that could be saved. It would all be burned and the ashes would be dealt with. Uh, chapter 7. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering, okay? It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they will kill the trespass offering. And its blood he will sprinkle all around the altar. Remember, the only difference between trespass offering and the sin offering is the trespass offering was for specific issues. Things that were specifically confessed, this would be the offering that would be given for those things. Uh, verse two, in the, or uh, verse three, and he shall offer from it all its fat, the fat tail, the fat that covered the entrails, two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys. He removes all of these things and the priest shall burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord. This is a trespass offering. Now, every male among the priests may eat it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. The only place that that would be eaten would be there within the tabernacle proper. Couldn't be taken outside, couldn't be taken home, couldn't be used other places. Now, you, you consider two million people in the children of Israel. Where's the tabernacle among those two million people? Right in the middle. They have morning and evening sacrifices. They could give a burnt offering any time. They could give a peace offering any time. They could give the meal offering anytime. They would give a sin offering anytime they were acknowledged or understood their sin, a trespass offering, anytime they needed to confess. The tra- How busy were the priests? How many sacrifices are they doing? You let that, you just have that priest doing his thing and you never let him partake of any of that meat that he's cooking. How long before he's done? Passed out, finished. I cannot lift this knife one more time. In the, in the Levitical priesthood, there were 24 courses, and each of the 24 courses um, were, were filled with thousands. Each of the 24 courses. So the entire tribe or the entire Levitical priesthood would not only cover uh, Jerusalem and fulfill the needs within the temple or the tabernacle while they were moving, but they would also be in each of the lands that were given to the nation of Israel. So in each one of the lands, you would have a city of refuge where the Lord God will get to that, where the Lord God will, will give the cities of refuge, and they would fulfill the, the obligation of the priesthood in each one of the lands. So there was an innumerable host, and of course, they would rotate. So there was a rotation except for the high priest. High priest was high priest till he died. So there would be a rotation through it all. But as they did the work, you got some guys taking ashes out. That's probably the only thing that they're doing. They're taking out the ashes, dumping the ashes. You got other guys that are over there cutting up the meat and getting that meat to the other priests and the priest putting it on the burnt offering. But everybody who was a part who was working was able to take a part what, what, in the sacrifices that God allowed was able to take a part of that to sustain them, to carry them through that day. Remember, they had no, none of the land was theirs. Okay, that belonged to everybody else. Their inheritance was solely and completely of the Lord. Now listen to this. Uh, verse uh, 6. Every male among the priests may eat it. 
It shall be eaten in a holy place, for it is most holy. And the trespass offering is like the sin offering. There is one law for them both. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. And the priest who suffers, uh, who offers anyone's burnt offering, that piece shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he was, has been offered. So when the priest who was giving the offering, who was doing the offering, he would receive of the skin. The priest who was offering the trespass offering, he could receive of the meat. So certainly that they would rotate through that as they were doing the work of the tabernacle for among the people. Here's what's taking place. The trespass offering is a picture of Christ covering. And what was it that the priest received from it? The skin. A covering. They would receive a covering for the sin. It continues. The picture continues. The covering for the priest. The covering. Also, for every grain offering that is baked in the oven, all that is prepared in a covered pan or in a pan shall be the priest who offers it. Again, the guy who's doing the work is going to partake of the part that's left over for him. Every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one as much as the other. Now, with the grain offering, they could spread it among themselves. Now, this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for thanksgiving, he will offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes blended of flour mixed with oil. So this thanksgiving offering we see with oil unleavened, without sin. What does it picture? Pictures Jesus Christ without sin, our perfect sacrifice, okay? But then look at verse 13. But beside the cakes, as his offering, he shall offer what? Leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. He could offer leavened bread. He could offer regular bread, risen bread, bread that had leaven in it. Leaven's a picture of sin. What is this all about? What's he talking about? Listen, the first part pictures Christ. The second part pictures us. And I can bring my offering of thanksgiving to the Lord even though I am tainted with sin. I knew a guy one time was working in the ministry, working in youth ministry actually. And every once in a while he would call me up and say, Jackie, I'm not coming tonight. Me and my wife got in an argument. We, we had a bad time today. And uh, I just don't, I feel like because we had this argument, we sinned and we can't come. That's not what God's word says. God's word says we can bring our offering to him. Leaven, that offering can have leaven in it because we have sin in us. We have sin and we're sinners. When we come before the Lord, we are sinners that are going to bring that. The offerer here, you and I, we are pictured. Peace with God does not require us to be sinless. Peace with God requires us to be consecrated to him by faith, put our trust in him. It's not about performance. It wasn't about performance then. It's not about performance now. It's about trust. We can have peace with God even though there's sin in our life because we put our faith and trust in him. Otherwise, we'd never be able to offer. Because until I see Jesus Christ face to face, I will never reach sinless perfection. Now, there are some days I think I'm pretty close. You know, as Kathy was the first one to laugh, right? But that's what he's talking about. We can make that offering with leaven. We can offer it. Why? Because it's a picture of us. And our peace with God does not require sinless perfection. And from it, he will offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. So this bread, this leavened bread that's raised, it's a heave offering. You're going to wave it, lift it up before the Lord. You lift it up and wave it before him. That's the, that's the heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. Now the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving will be eaten the same day it's offered. He will not leave any until the morning. So you partook, you were gave a thanksgiving offer, thanking the Lord for what he had done. You have that opportunity in the peace uh, offering to have communion with God. You ate it then. You didn't take it home, put it in the fridge, freeze it, 
eat it a week later. You ate it then. You ate it then. He satiates. He satisfies us. Everything we need in Him day by day by day. So they would, they would have to eat it all at one time. But, verse 16, if the offering or the sacrifice of His offering is a vow or a voluntary offering, it will be eaten the same day that He offers a sacrifice, but on the next day the remainder of it may also be eaten. But it couldn't go longer than three days. Imagine, I wonder why He would pick three days. Just... Off the top of his head. You could eat it the day it was offered. You could even let it go the second day. But the third day, it was all gone. Third day, why? Because Christ is going to be in the ground three days. On the third day, he's going to rise from the dead. You're not going to part. All these pictures point to Jesus. Everything points to him. Two days it would be allowed if it was a vow or voluntary. If it was a vow or voluntary, two days it would be allowed. But the third day it would all be burned, all taken, all, all destroyed. Now if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted nor imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt. The flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It will be burned with fire. As for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, while he is unclean, that person will be cut off from among the people. What's he saying? There has to be confession. You can't just play games. You can't just pretend everything's okay. If you wanted to be clean before the Lord, you had to confess your sin. You don't want to confess your sin and stay unclean, but don't partake. Don't take of that sacrifice. Don't partake of that which is offered because you are unclean. You are unclean because you haven't confessed. You had to make confession. You had to make confession. You had to say, Lord, this is what's going on. Then you were clean. Folks, God wants us to come before him, how? With sincerity. God wants us to come before him with sincerity. Last night I had an opportunity to go teach it to jail i think i talked too long we were there kind of late that night but nonetheless i went and taught and these are this is one of the things we talked about with them sincerity before god how do we come to the lord with sincerity the word sincere it speaks of in the greek the base root word it means without wax it's it's a picture of a guy a a, a sculptor working on a on a uh statue and as he's working on that statue how long did it take they didn't have like plasma cutters back then just whoop something out you you did it with a a hammer and a chisel and you're working on this statue that you're going to sell and on the last whack you knock its nose off whoops that's a year's work what are you going to do well i'm going to pick up that nose i'm going to melt the candle and as I melt that candle and put wax on the back of it and jam it on the face, it'll hold that nose there long enough for me to sell it. And he'd sell it, and they'd have that statue in their garden in the backyard, and one hot day he'd be out there looking at it and thinking there's something wrong with the nose. And next thing you know, poof, down on the ground. Nose fell off. It was insincere. It was not without wax. God doesn't want us to come before him trying to pretty ourselves up. He doesn't want us to come before him and put our nose on with wax or put our arms on or cover up all the issues that are in our life. He wants us to come before him sincere. This is who I am. God knows anyway. Ain't no sense in hiding it. God knows what's going on. We come before the Lord. We need to come before the Lord sincere. That's coming before him clean. Make confession. Don't be afraid to say, this is who I am. God will accept you that way, right? God will accept us that way. Okay, scripture goes on as he continues. He tells us then, verse 21, Moreover, the person who has or who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness, unclean animal, abominable unclean thing, 
who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person will be cut off from his people. Again, unworthy. Someone coming before the Lord in an unworthy manner. Cut off from the people. You're wasting your time. Why are you bothering doing this? Your heart is all messed up. You are unclean. You're not being sincere. So the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 22, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, You shall not eat any fat of ox or sheep or goat, the fat of an animal that dies naturally, or the fat which is torn by wild beasts. In other words, they weren't supposed to eat roadkill. May be used in any other way, but you will by no means eat it. For whoever eats the fat of the animal of which men offer, an offering made by fire to the Lord, that person who eats it will be cut off from among his people. What's he saying? What is the Lord's is the Lord's. You give it to God, it's not yours anymore. That's what he's saying. I brought my sacrifice to the Lord and they take of that fat and they're putting all that fat. I can't reach out and take some of that fat back for me. No, God can't have it all. I'm taking this. This is my part. What you give to God, it's all God's, period. You give it to him, it belongs to him. That's what they're talking about here. It is never again ours. It is always his. And the fat is always his. Moreover, you will not eat any blood in any of your dwellings, whether a bird or beast. Whoever eats any blood, that person will be cut off from his people. Why? He tells us in Leviticus, life is in the blood. The blood God has made holy, set apart. It's a picture of of that cleansing work, Jesus Christ, in our life. The blood is precious. You're supposed to treat the blood as though it's precious. It's supposed to have value. That's why in Hebrews chapter 6, when he talks about trampling the blood of Jesus Christ, as though it was a common thing, that's not giving proper regard or worth to the sacrifice. You couldn't use the blood for anything else. It belonged to God. It was all His. Never again ours. It was holy and set apart. So they were not to partake of that at all. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, He who offers a sacrifice of the peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hands will bring the offering. God don't have no grandkids. You get that, right? My kids don't have a relationship with God because I do. How do we bring our offerings to the Lord? My own hands. I have a relationship with Him. Me. Each person has a relationship. That peace offering, you didn't have to offer it, but if you were bringing a peace offering, you didn't call somebody and say, Joe, go give my peace offering for me today, will you? No, I had to bring it with my own hands or not give it. You brought it with your own hands. God doesn't have grandkids. He has personal relationship. He only has children. He only has his direct children. And we are adopted into God's family when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Romans lays out for us. We're adopted into his family. We want to have a relationship with him. It happens with our hands, by confession of our mouth. I can't sit down and confess for my kids the Lord Jesus Christ for them. They must reach a point where they do it themselves. They have to have that relationship. We each, individually, have to have our own relationship with Him. And the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast will be Aaron and his sons. Also the right thigh you will give to the priest as a heave offering from the sacrifices of your peace offerings. Isn't that interesting, the parts that they gave them? We can just read this and say, oh, they got the shoulder and they got the breast. What's the big deal? Well, think about it. What did the priest wear? He wore a breastplate, didn't he? Over his heart, what did he have? The symbols of the 12 tribes of Israel. Why? Because on the heart of the high priest was always his people. Jesus Christ is a picture of our high priest, and we are always on his heart. And on his shoulders, what did the high priest have? He had the 12 tribes of Israel on his shoulders. Why? Because he would bear their burdens. And he had them upon his heart. Bear their burdens, have them upon his heart. So what part of the animal did the priest eat? The breast and the shoulder. Constantly reinforcing that you bear the burdens of the people. You bear them upon your shoulders. You wear them over your heart. The breast speaking of love, the shoulder strength. 
The breast laying out that concept. Hey, we're to love. We're to have that depth of love. We are called the royal priesthood, holy nation, you and I, the church. So we're to have the love of the people on our hearts, the strength to bear the burdens of the people upon our shoulders. This is what he's laying out for us. He among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering and the fat will have the right thigh for his part. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering I have taken from the children of Israel from the sacrifice of their peace and I have given them to Aaron the priest and his sons and the children from the children of Israel by a statute forever. They brought the peace offering, that's that communion, the barbecue. The breast and the right shoulder would go to the priesthood. Everything else was belonged to the one who brought the offering, the one to, to, with whom it was given. <clears throat> now this is a consecrated portion for Aaron and his sons from the offerings made by fire to the Lord. On the day when Moses presented them to minister to who? We, we need to get that straight. When we minister, are we ministering to the people? No, we minister to who? The Lord. We minister to the Lord. It's not about the people. We, get, we have to remove that from, from our concept. When we serve in children's church, we teach in a Sunday school class. I'm not doing it for those kids. I'm not doing it for their parents. I'm doing this as my offering to the Lord. To Him, I minister to God. The priest would minister to God. It was to Him, not to the people. For the people, to God. That's what they would do. That's what we, we have to realize. We have to understand. It's to them. So when the people that we're ministering for don't give us the accolades we think we deserve, it shouldn't have any effect on our willingness to serve. Because I'm not serving them. I'm serving Him. If I mop the floor and, and people walk by and nobody tells me how great I am for mopping the floor... It's okay, because I'm mopping the floor not for the people, to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord. That's got to be whom we're ministering to. The Lord commanded this to be given uh, to them by the children of Israel. On that day they anointed them by a statute forever throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations, and the sacrifice of the peace offering. When the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. Hey, he lays out for us, these are the laws of the sacrifice. Now listen, we need to see this picture clearly. We need to understand, we look at it as Jesus Christ. First, Jesus Christ, totally consecrated, dedicated, the burnt offering. Jesus Christ, our perfect sacrifice, a meal offering. Jesus Christ, our peace, the peace offering. Jesus Christ became sin for us, the sin offering. He provides a covering for you and I. We are righteous because of his sacrifice, the trespass offering. That's how Jesus did it. That's not how we do it. We come at it the other way. Before you can be consecrated and dedicated to the Lord, you first must be broken in the trespass offering. Understand your guilt. I am guilty. I am a sinner. I make confession. I give repentance. And the sacrifice of Jesus Christ makes me clean. He covers my trespass. Then I realize in the sin offering, hey, it was Jesus Christ who became sin for me, makes me whole. Through the trespass offering and the sin offering, what do I experience? For the first time in my life, I experience peace with God. The peace offering. After the peace offering, what happens next? The work of sanctification, the sifting of the flour. What is it that Jesus said to Peter? Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Did he say, so I made sure he can't do that? No, he said, I prayed for you. After you've fallen and when you've returned, strengthen the brethren. There is the meal offering, the sifting the perfecting, sanctification that works in our life. We go through times of sifting to be made more and more holy, like Him, sanctified, set apart. 
That's the meal offering. That's what it pictures in our journey with God. So we go through those events, okay? Trespass offering, sin offering, peace with God, peace offering, sanctification worked in the meal offering, and then we can come to the place of utter and complete dedication and consecration to God. The burnt offering. Present yourselves, present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship, service. That's the dedication. So when we take a look at our lives, we're somewhere along that journey. We might be at the trespass offering, we may be at the sin offering, we may finally have come through to the peace. Maybe we're in the midst of the, <coughs> of the meal offering and that, that, the, the sifting of the wheat. Maybe we've come all the way to that utter dedication and we're working on that. But we need to take a look at our lives and say, where am I along this journey? Because we see in the scriptures what Jesus did for us. But we come to him from the other side. Trespass, sin, peace, meal, burnt. To reach dedication, we got to go through those things. Where are we at? Where are we at in that journey? What do I need to go through? Where, where am I? we got to take honest stock, right? Remember I said we got to come to the Lord how? Sincere. Sincere. You can't fool God with holy speech. You can fool your neighbors. You can fool the people around you, but you don't fool God. When we come to the Lord, we come to Him sincere. Where am I? Where am I in that journey? And what do I need to do to move forward? What do I need to do to continue to go in that direction? If I'm not totally and utterly dedicated, if I'm, not, if I'm not focused on the Lord as much in the evening as I am in the daytime, I'm not dedicated to Him. I'm not that place. It's all right. It's part of the journey. Where am I? Time of sifting, where am I? Join the peace with God, where am I? Still at the sin offering? It's all right. It's part of the journey. It's part of our race. It's part of the walk. But we need to finish it. Don't just start it. Don't just start it and go through the first two, the ones you have to do. We want to move forward with him into the ones we don't have to do. You, didn't, you don't ever have to be a burnt offering. It's not a required sacrifice. Trespass and sin, that's required. But the burnt offering... That's where the beauty of coming into that relationship with God is. That's where He dwells. That's entering in. Remember when we talked about the tabernacle? I can stay in the outer courts. That's all as far as I need to go to do the sin and the trespass offering. But if I want to get to the Holy of Holies, I got to keep moving forward. I got to keep going through. Why does God lay out for us the book of Leviticus? Why does he say these are the words of God calling his people to be holy? Because he wants us to finish. He wants us to go through the whole process. He wants us to reach that place where we can say, I am a living sacrifice. Completely given. Totally burned up. Not burned out. World full of burned out people, right? You do it in your own strength. You can't burn forever. What was the secret about the burning bush? It was burning, but not what? Not consumed. Hmm. That's the way God burns us. Not consumed. If you're not consumed, you can't burn out. You just burn. You just shine that light of Jesus Christ, the Lord, in our lives. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you as we just conclude this section. The first section of the book of Leviticus, we've gone through the offerings, all the things that are required. God, help us to see every page, every letter, every comma, every space points to you. Every part of the sacrifice, it points to you. It teaches us what you have done for us. You said, Jesus, you said, if you were to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Finish our race. 
walk that path that lies before us. God, may we enter into a relationship with you through the trespass and the sin offering. May we realize the peace of God through the peace offering. God, that you give us peace. Even though I am a sinner, I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe because Jesus Christ has made me clean. He has become my peace. God, when we face the sifting, there's no way around it. If we want to get to total dedication, we got to go through that sanctifying process, the sifting of the flower, the perfecting of the sacrifice, the sanctification of being made righteous, holy. That occurs by the things that we suffer, the sacrifices that we make, the trials and challenges that we face. That's why your word declares that we should not despise that time of suffering, but that we should, according to James, count it all joy. For tribulation works its perfect work in our life and ultimately brings us to the place that we will endure. And then, may we reach total and utter dedication, consecration completely. God, may we just be willing to take true stock of where we're at and where we're going, how we are in the process, that we would be sincere. For Lord, it's not like if I'm, if I'm only two parts in or if I'm... If I just barely got through the sin offering and I haven't even experienced the peace offering, you're going to say, well, it's taking you too long. Forget you're out. You just want us to be sincere. This is where I am. You meet us there. You'll meet us in that place. For I am confident that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Finish your work in us, Lord, as we lay our lives before you. We ask your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.